Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. I want to jump right into this. I, I've got a lot of notes, and I don't know. It, it, things started flooding, and I started adding to stuff last night, so I hope I can get through everything that, that started coming to me last night as I added to what I was already looking into. Uh, so I'm going to jump right into the reading of the word, and then we're going to pray, and I'll let you be seated. Uh, but if we could turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 8 through verse 11. Man. Verse 8 reads, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you, in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. God, we ask that you be with us here this morning, Lord. I ask that you work through me this morning to deliver a message here today to the church. I'd open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to receive the message that you have this morning. I give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, in the saints say amen. amen. You may be seated. So this week, today, to the rest of the world, is known as Super Bowl Sunday, right? That might not mean anything to people here. It might mean something to people here. But this week, I kind of started thinking about when we're, when we're talking about the idea of spiritual maturity, the difference, you know, between what we were called to be as Christians, which is disciples, and what the world is with Super Bowl Sunday, fans. Right? In, in the Christian walk, we have many fans of Jesus. But we don't have many disciples of Jesus. And so a part of spiritual maturity is moving beyond fandom and being a fan of Jesus into being a disciple of Jesus. And I love the way the Amplified Bible puts this. Verse 8, reading the same scripture I just read, verse 8, the Amplified Bible says, For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ, whose great love fills me. And this I pray that your love may abound more and more, displaying itself in greater depth, in real knowledge and practical insight, so that you may learn to recognize the treasure that is excellent, identifying the best and distinguishing the moral differences, and that you may be pure and blameless unto the day of Christ, actually living lives that lead others away from sin. Filled with the righteous, with, filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God, so that his glory may be both revealed and recognized. This is a call. This is a call to the church. I'm sorry. I have a, a new glucose meter and it goes off on me if I have a problem, so... 
hopefully it starts calming down. My blood, my blood pressure is good, but apparently my blood sugar has gone to rise a little bit this morning. So bear with me. You see, a fan is not a true believer. The Webster's Dictionary says that a fan is a person who has a strong interest in or admiration for a particular person or thing. Football has fans. Baseball has fans, right? Sports lends itself to fans. They aren't necessarily disciples of a team, right? A fan will do crazy things. We call it fanaticism. They will wear their team's jerseys, go to the games, paint their faces, right? Dress up. Do whatever they can because they're going to root on their team. Because to them, it's just a labor of love because how much they love that team until the team isn't doing any good. And then all of a sudden, they no longer wear a jersey, no longer put on face paint, no longer dress up, don't buy a ticket. All they do is complain about management, how they need to trade for the best player. If we had Patrick Mahomes on our team, we'd be the best team in the NFL. I don't know why we don't go out and try and make a trade. Fire the coach. It's the pastor's fault. If we had a better pastor, we'd have a stronger church. That's what, that's what fans are. Amen? They're not mature. Right? We're talking about spiritual maturity. We're talking about how to grow in Christ. You see, Paul reached out to the people here in faith, saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this, he's, he's not saying you guys lack maturity as a church, but he's saying maturity isn't, a, isn't something you achieve and stay at. You have to continually move and grow and reach. It's continuous, right? You know, when we first come to Christ, when we were first saved, right, it, we, we become real fans. It, it's, you know, the, the feeling we have, the euphoria of knowing that we have just been saved and our sins have been forgiven can carry us a long distance. But without growth and maturity in Christ, it fades out. And pretty soon, we get to the point where we want to trade. We don't like our pastor. We don't have a good fellowship at church anymore. I'm going to have to find something else because this isn't, this isn't helping me anymore, right? We have to be able to grow in maturity. In the Christian faith, there are so many fans of Jesus, people who root for Jesus, people who say all the time, God is good. God is always good to me. God always shows me the way. But they can't tell you anything about how they were saved, how to be saved, what you need to do for salvation? You see, that they're fans of being called a Christian and wanting to love God and, and do something for God, but they have no idea what that means. They don't have any growth. They don't have any knowledge. That's what Paul was pointing to. He was saying, you know what? There's more to it than just being a fan of Jesus. There's more to it than just going to church. Mark 8.34 says, And calling to the crowd to him with his disciples, he said unto them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus is telling everybody in the crowd, If you want to be a disciple, you have to take up your cross and follow me. 
you can't just be a fan. You can't just be excited about the moment. There's a commitment here. If you want to be a disciple, and that's what, that's what we have to become, right? Otherwise, we're just fans. We come to church, and we just hope God does something in our lives, and we feel good, and that's, that's it. But that's not what Jesus was calling us to be. Jesus was calling us to be disciples. If we're going to mature, if we're going to grow spiritually, we have to move towards the discipleship in the word, discipleship in Christ. Amen? We can't just be a fan on the sidelines watching and cheering on. But what does it mean? What does it mean to take up a cross? Luke puts it this way in 9, 23 through 25. He says, And to all of them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what doth it, does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? The Greek word here, for life can also be translated as soul. So if we look at that, whosoever would save their soul will lose it, and whosoever loses his soul for my sake will save it. In other words, this is a commitment, a lifelong commitment. You can't simply follow Jesus for a year and then decide to go do your own thing. Right? Your soul is not for you. Right? When he talks about saving your own soul, it's not necessarily talking about salvation of your soul, but he's talking about saving your soul for what you want to do in life and not doing it for Christ. You see, when, when, you, when you do whatever you want, that's when you lose life. But when you sacrifice and give your soul to God and forsake all other things and do what he wants you to do, that's when your life is saved. That's when life becomes salvation. That's what he's talking about here. If you don't want to be that, then you just want to be a fan of Jesus, not a follower of Jesus. I don't want to just be a fan of Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Maturity comes in growth. You see, a fan never grows in maturity. They live off of the enthusiastic moment the enthusiasm of the ups and then the depression of the downs, right? I, I tell you, there, there's two teams playing in the Super Bowl today, right? And the fans of those two teams are on top of the world right now. And tomorrow, one group is going to be down in the pits, right? By the end of the day, there's going to be a group of fans who just is just the world is so, whoa, I can't take it. Why didn't we win today? Why did the coach call that play? That was a horrible play at the end of the game. I can't take it. That's what a fan is. A fan lives in the moment. <laughs> There's no maturity. Fans of Jesus live in the moment. They come to church when it's hopping, it's great. And when church isn't hopping, then it's like, well, I don't feel nothing. <laughs> what am I doing here? If I can't feel God, man, this, we used to be so alive. This used to be such a great worship place, and now I just don't feel nothing, right? We get on the radio, and we listen to Christian music, and we just, oh, we can sing along to all the songs, and we love it. Oh, Phil Wickham, oh, gosh, I just love the anthem. So where's that growth? Where's that maturity? 
It feels great. I, don't get me wrong. I love it. It feels great. But if that's all I have, then, then I don't have any maturity in Christ. I don't have any growth in my life for Jesus. If we continue this way and we don't continue to mature and grow in faith, we easily lose the enthusiasm and our fanaticism begins to fade away. So how do we become a disciple? How do we grow into, into discipleship for Jesus? The Webster Dictionary defines a disciple as this, one who accepts and assists in the spreading of the doctrine of another, such as in Christianity, one of the 12 in the inner circle of Christ followers, according to the gospel accounts. So you see the difference between a fan and a disciple? See, a fan is inspired. A fan admires. But a disciple accepts and assists. A disciple picks up his cross, denies himself, and follows Jesus. A fan loves it. That's a great idea. You go ahead. You go ahead, Brother Clint. You pick up your cross. I'm a roofery all day long. You pick up your cross. You follow after Jesus. I love it. I love it. It's great. It's great. You know what? You inspire me. I'm in, I admire you. But when am I going to accept it? You see here, I have to accept and then assist in the spreading of the gospel. That's what it means to become a mature Christian. Amen? If we're not going to accept and assist in spreading the word of God, then we're just fans. We're just fans. You know, there's 2.2 billion Christians on earth. According to the to current information that we have, 2.2 billion Christians, 7.8 billion people on earth. So that means roughly about 28% identify themselves as Christian. But what percentage of those are disciples of Christ? And what percentage are just fans? What percentage are just fans who just, you know, I, I just, I love Jesus so much. You know? God bless this life I have. God is so good. Amen. He is. I'm not denying it. God is good. Hey, God will bless a fan. I'm not saying that fans aren't going to get blessed by God. They're going to feel the move of the Spirit. They're going to get a lifting. They're going to be blessed, amen? But they're not going to have any growth to be able to hold on, right? This isn't just a quick journey. We're not running around the block. This is a long-distance race. And if we don't have maturity, we aren't going to continue to move forward. A key to spiritual maturity is to accept and assist in the spreading of the doctrine of Jesus. People say, well, teacher, tell, people say, talk to me about Jesus all the time. I talk to people about Jesus all the time. That's great. What do you tell them? Have you, consent, have you continued a conversation beyond the opening? Hey, how you doing? Right? Talking to people about Jesus isn't just an introduction, but it's a continuation if you're going to spread the gospel, you've got to be able to continue to spread the gospel. You've got to be able to continue to reach out to people, to know people. It's not easy. 
situational conversation isn't always open to getting into a mini Bible study, right? I, I know we don't always have the opportunity right then and there to just be able to lay it out and start into a Bible study with somebody. But do we follow back up, right? I, I mean, do I follow back up? Right? It's just, I'm not just telling you guys this is, I'm trying to grow and mature in Christ as well, right? These, these are things that, that we have to become if we want to become disciples, right? If we want to grow in Christ, these are things that we have to do. So how do I grow? What do I do? Paul wrote the letter to the church of Philippi. He says here in the text, he was praying for them to continue to progress spiritually, he was not praying because they lacked maturity. You see, Philippians was a special church to him. Philippians was the first church that financially helped Paul in his ministry. But he was telling them, look, as great as things are and as good as God is, you cannot settle to stop progressing forward. You have to continually progress spiritually. So the first thing Paul says is, we have to have prayer. If we're going to progress, if we're going to mature, we got to have a prayer life. And I know there's a lot of different types of prayer, intercessory prayer. It, there's, you know, I'm not going to start diving into how to pray and what to pray. But Paul's prayer should encourage us in our own prayer life. It should encourage us on how to pray and what to pray for, right? We we, we become too obscure in prayer sometimes. God bless my church. God bless my wife. God bless Brother Monks. God bless Brother Rojas. God bless Pastor today. God's already working to bless us. I'm not saying don't ask God to bless somebody, but it's very obscure. It's not very specific, Right? A mature Christian, we, we need to be very specific in what we are praying for. Be able to go to God for something. You got to remember that when we, go, when we go to pray, we are bringing a petition before the Lord. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a petition before the Lord. So to just petition to God bless people, it, that's great, right? I, I, I'm all for it. If you want to pray for God to bless me, go for it. I'm not going to not accept it. Amen, right? But hey, if you really want to know what I need, talk to me. If you want to know what kind of situations are going on in my life, talk to me, right? That, that's, what kind of, that's how we should be able to pray, right? If we're going to pray for our brothers and sisters, how can we pray if we don't know anything about our brother and sister? If we don't know anything about our brother and sister, how are we mature in Christ? Right? If all I know is that God's good to you and I'm going to ask for God to bless you in your life, then, then what am I doing? What am I really praying for? Right? But if I know that you're struggling with something, if I know that you have a need financially, now I can go to God in a petition very specifically and saying, God, you need to bless my brother with some financial help right now. God, you need to bless my, my brother. You need to bless my sister. She needs a healthy move. She needs health in her life right now. God, you need to touch her physically, Jesus. Right? These are specific areas. This is what prayer is meant for. If we're going to grow, we need to have a prayer life that's beyond just driving down the road and saying, Jesus, God, you're so good today. God, bless my church today. Bless pastor today. 
Hope he has a wonderful day. Give him a good word for Sunday so that we shout and run and we don't have to hear a message. And we could just have a blessing. Right? Isn't that what, I'm talking about fans, right? That, that, is, that, is, that is fandom 101. <laughs> Let me shout, run the aisles, boom, and out the door. I got my blessing. I'm good to go. I don't need the message today. Right? And then, and then when pastor gets up there, oh, please, please don't say I'm still in my introduction. Please, please don't, don't, don't just give me a little bit of a word. It was felt so good already, and now you're blowing it. That's, that's, I'm not a mature Christian if I'm doing that. Amen? I, I'm not picking on anybody this morning, please. My, this is my friend right here. Amen? This is my friend right here, right? But I'm, I'm just talking about what fans are. What, what a fan of Jesus wants when they come and they hear that, that, that they just want to shout, run the aisles, get a blessing, and walk out the door. They don't want any maturity. They don't want any growth, right? I mean, the, the reality is, is that if we shout and run the aisles for an hour and are blessed from God, we should want to sit right down and hear God's word for edification of the saints. And if you don't feel that way, you need to really examine your life, your spiritual walk. Because if all you're hoping for is that we run and shout and feel good and go home, whether we get a message or not, we're not going to have any growth. The church isn't going to grow. We're going to be stuck right here where we are. We're going to have nothing but empty seats, and we're not going to see any maturity in our life, spiritually. Amen? And I, I don't know. I, you know, forgive me if I step on anybody's toes this morning, but I, I'm just... You know, this is just what hit me this week. This is what we were talking about, spiritual maturity. And, and I, I completely went a different direction. I thought I was going to do something else. And then this week, it just, it just like hit me, you know, like, I'm a fan, but boy, am I really a disciple? <laughs> Can I really mature? Can I really grow in God if all I want to do is just come to church and feel good? Right? Church isn't a drug. Religion isn't a drug. I don't come here for a dopamine advance and then go home and feel good for a couple days and then depressed. And say, man, it used to last a while. Right? You see, that's what happens for a drug addict. A drug addict, at first it feels good, but then it, it doesn't. And then they have to have more, and they have to have more, and then the dose goes up, and they have to have even more and more and more. It, you know, when, when all you want out of Christ in church is that dopamine effect, and pretty soon it gets to where it doesn't even last the night. Church was so good. I wake up the next morning, and I was just, oh, life is so bad. God, I thought you were going to make a change. I felt good last night. You really moved. What happened? I need a bigger dose. I need a stronger praise. Need to find another church so I could get a bigger dose, right? We, we don't need a strong, God, this is one church. Religion doesn't change, right? Religion doesn't change. We, we, just, we just have to be more invested in growing and not just invested in receiving, right? We all want to be we all want to be a warehouse receiving everything, but we don't want to put anything out the door. We don't want to be a shipping and receiving department. We just want to be a receiving department. God, bring it in. 
Bring it in. Just keep bringing it in. Hey, I used it up. I used it up. I need more. Just keep bringing it in. But I'm not putting anything back out to the world because I have no growth, no maturity in my life. Spiritually, I'm just a fan. I'm not a disciple. So Paul talks a little bit more. In verse 9, Paul says, we're talking here now, we're talking about a mature Christian is marked by abounding love. In verse 9, he says, And this I pray, that your love may abound more. You see, a disciple needs to continually abound in love. And it's not easy to love stupidity. It's not easy to love idiots. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all, right? But, but I'll tell you what, right now, it's hard to love everybody it's easy to love those who are good to you right <laughs> who return things back to you right you know like the, a reciprocal relationship that becomes great but boy that idiot at work god don't ask me to love that guy oh lord man that woman if they ever had a devil in them, that woman has a devil in her right there, and we needs an exorcism, and God needs to take care of that. I don't know. Don't ask me to love her, God. Whatever you do, I cannot talk to that person. You see, fans are fickle. They love their team when it's great, but when it's bad, it's time for a trade. They don't love. That's not love, right? That's not love. You see, it's not easy to love everybody. Matthew 22, 37 through 40 puts it this way. And Jesus said unto them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, this, hear it, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. If you want to grow in spiritual maturity, you need to be able to love one another. Love one another. And it starts in the church. If you can't love your brother and sister in the church, you'll never be able to love someone out of the church. I, I'm, I'm, if, if I'm cutting to the quick, I'm sorry. But we're talking about spiritual maturity here. It, we're talking about growing up. And, and, and I just, this is what I feel. It is not easy. It's not always easy. I love my church. I love my family. It's always great. We go, that goes without saying right? But can we really love the beggar on the corner? Can we really love anybody out there? You see, the, the crux of the matter is, is that we look at the Ten Commandments and we talk about how we, it's impossible to fulfill the law. Jesus was the only one to fulfill the law. Well, how did Jesus do it? What did he start with? Unconditional love to everybody. If you are not going to love God, put him first in everything in your life, 
and love everybody else, then you have no chance of fulfilling the commandments, which is why we can't. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you right here, I cannot stand on any one of the Ten Commandments because there are times where love fails in my life. And boom, as soon as that happens, I can't fulfill that. That's why I need grace. That's why we all need grace. Amen? I mean, they were asking, well, which one is the greatest commandment? Which one do I need to abide by the most, right? Because we want to prioritize everything in our life as to this is the most important, this is the least important. If I always do this, I'm always in good standing. If I mess up on this a few times, then that's when I need forgiveness, right? But Jesus said, you need to understand one thing. It all comes down to love. Paul says you must abound in love all the more. If you want to grow, you're just going to have to start praying, God, help me love everybody. God, help me love the sinner as much as I love my saints. Help me love the person beside me, no matter what the situation. Help me, God. John put it this way. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. You can't even be called a disciple if you can't love your brother and sister in church. If you can't love every single person here in this church, if you can't love every single person right, in our faith, then how can you abound in love with anybody else? can't. You can't. You won't even be known as a disciple. <laughs> How sad is that? You want to be known as a disciple, you got to be known as someone who loves God. You got to be known as someone who loves each other, right? Right? Not, not bitter, not putting to strife, right? We're brothers and sisters. We shouldn't fight. We shouldn't get upset at each other, right? Things aren't always perfect. I understand that, right? But make it right. Learn to forgive and forget. Amen? What would happen to me if God decided, you know what? I don't want to forget that sin anymore. I'm taking it back. I'm not going to forgive you anymore. Where does that leave me? I have no salvation. That leaves me with no salvation. Amen? I, I got to be able to love my brother and sister. A mature Christian is one who grows in knowledge. The Amplified Bible, verse 9, puts it this way. That in this I pray that your love may abound more and more, displaying itself in greater depth in real knowledge and practical insight. So what does that mean? What does it mean, real knowledge? Knowledge is knowing the scripture and being able to discern what God is trying to do for you. Where is God guiding you? Where are you going? Reading the scripture and knowing the scripture are two different things. Getting a daily update on your Bible app for your daily verse and looking at it, you know, and, and, and collecting, right? I, I do it. I collect my badges every day. I try and keep my streaks up for every day, right? It's a challenge. I love it, right? But that doesn't grow anything for me. I'm not growing in Christ. I'm not growing in knowledge, right? 
There's a difference between just reading the Scripture and knowing the Scripture, right? I can't just be a fan of the Scripture, but I need to know it. I need to understand it. I need to be able to discern what God is telling me to do so that I can be a disciple and witness to somebody. I got to be able to reach out to the world. Psalms 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's a whole lot easier to know where you're going when the path is lit up with lights. And if you ain't growing in knowledge, guess what? That's a dark path. And it doesn't take long for you to all of a sudden figure out that you've stumbled off the path into the woods and you have no idea where you are. And now I'm lost. What's going to happen to me? Knowledge is wanting to learn more about God. Right? We should want, we should long for having a more intimate relationship with Jesus, a stronger walk with him. Exodus 38, 33 and 18, Moses said, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I don't want to just hear you. I don't want to just see you in a cloud in a fire, but show me, God. I want a more intimate relationship with you. I want to know who you are. Psalms 42, 1 and 2 says it this way. David said, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee. O God, my soul thirsteth for thee, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before the Lord? David was desperate to know God. We need to be desperate to know who God is. We need to be desperate to know Jesus is doing something for us. Who is Jesus? What is my life with Jesus? How do I grow? How do I have more knowledge? We have to be able to dive into the scripture with more meaning than just reading, but trying to discern and have some spiritual knowledge and some growth, right? We got to be there. We also have to have spiritual integrity. A spiritually mature Christian is known by the integrity that they have. People know who you are. People can see your actions and determine what kind of person you are, whether you have integrity or not. In verse 10, Paul says it this way, so that you may learn to recognize and treasure what is excellent, identifying the best, distinguishing moral differences, that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ actually living lives that lead others away from sin. If you want to be a disciple, you have to have integrity. Without integrity, you cannot lead others away from sin. Paul is saying you can't go any further than where you are. If you want to grow, you need to be blameless in your walk with God. It's not easy. We're, we're, not, we're not all blameless here, right? We're going to stumble. We're gonna have, but, but integrity, there's a little bit of a difference here. Integrity means that when we make a mistake, we, we come to God. We, we come to the altar. We profess. We say, God, give it, you know. I, 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 you have to understand that, that when you transgress and when you confess sin, that isn't just a one-time thing. When we are saved... And we ask God to forgive us and we confess our sins and he forgives us and we, we are baptized and the, the water washes away all that sin, right? And, and it removes it from our life, right? That doesn't mean that that's the last time you ever have to confess. 
Once saved, always saved. I've, I've heard that all my life. So many people believe, oh, God, so good. The grace of God, I gave my life to him. He washed everything away, and now I'm good. When's the last time you confessed? Right? Integrity comes with some confession. An honest Christian, a mature Christian says, God, I need to be better. God, help me with this situation in my life. Help me overcome this feeling that I have towards a brother, towards a sister, uh, towards my work, towards my boss. Help me, God, to become a better person. Jesus, I need some growth in my life. We need to be pure, have pure intentions, pure in heart. The people of this world need to know we are different. They should be able to see that you are a disciple of Jesus, not just a fan. I need to hurry. Good works. Paul finishes off in verse 11 by saying, filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. John 13, 35 says it, by this shall all men know that you are disciples that you have loved one to another. We are known by our works. And I'll close with this story. I don't expect anybody here to know who Tom Lehman is. But Tom Lehman is a professional golfer. He's been a very successful professional golfer. He's also a self-proclaimed Christian. He professes that he's born again, filled with the Spirit. Now, I don't know him personally. I don't go to church with him. I can't speak to what kind of salvation he actually has, but he claims it. But you see, he didn't always have success in his professional career. When he got out of college, he thought he was just going to be able to run into, into the, the golfing career and have success, and he failed. He failed. For three straight years, he couldn't keep his card, couldn't stay on the professional tour. So he gave up, moved to Simi, Cal Simi Valley, California, became a golf pro at a club, right? Met his wife, got married. Then they started talking, you know what? I, I would like to do this again. So he tried again, and he failed again. His wife said, let's do it again. So they tried again, he failed again. And he kept failing. And, and, and finally, in, in, in 1992, he, he had a good, good year on a mini tour. And he ended up qualifying and getting his card. And he qualified for the 1993 Masters Tournament, which is held in Augusta, Georgia. Right? And I, I don't expect anybody here to really know what any of this means. But I'm just telling the story real quick, okay? So there... He was playing well in 1993. And he was there on the final round on Sunday morning. It was Easter Sunday. And he was sitting in the locker room. And in the locker room, they had TV on and ESPN Sports was playing and they were interviewing Green Bay Packer defensive end, all pro, the late Reggie White. Now, Reggie White was the greatest defensive end in the NFL. The best. But Reggie White was also a Christian. He proclaimed it. He lived it. And so Tom Fireside, who was chairman of the Augusta Club, was sitting with him, and on live TV, he asked the 
the all-pro Reggie White a question. How do you want people to look at you down the road? How do you want fans to see you? And how do you want your family to see you as a player and as a person? And this was Reggie's response. I want people to see me as a man of God. I want my kids to see me as a man of God. In fact, I want the fact that I'm a man of God to be so overpowering that they'll forget I ever played football. Now that's a powerful statement. That's a powerful statement. He's saying that I want to be a disciple of God. Now I don't know a lot. I know he was a licensed minister and I know he preached and I know he professed God his entire career playing football. And that is amazing. That is awesome. But he said that he wanted everybody to know who he was as a man of God and didn't care anything about what they thought about his playing career in football. And this was an overwhelming and powerful statement to Tom Lehman. You see, up to that point, he had based, he was a Christian, born again, gave his life to God when he was 16 years old, went down to the aisle, professed his sins, gave his life to God, right? Said he was born again, filled with the Spirit. But his entire playing career up to this point was based on money. I need to make money. If I'm going to be a good golfer, then that success is known by the money that I make. And he heard these words of another professional athlete saying, I don't want the world to even know I ever played sports. I just want him to know that I'm a man of God. And he said it, it changed his life. And he said, if I'm really a Christian, then I'm in this for the wrong reason. I shouldn't be in this because I want money. But I should be in this because I love God. And I'm going to put God first. So you know what he did? He started having church. He started inviting other PGA players to come to church. They would hold services on Wednesday night before the tournament starts. And he would give them, lead them in Bible studies and, and preach to them. They would hold a little service on Sunday mornings when he was there playing. If you made the cut on a Sunday morning, he'd hold a little service because they couldn't be at church. Because he said, you know what, I need to change something in my life. If I'm really a Christian, if I really love God, if I'm going to be mature, then it can't just be about this is a job and I want money and I need money. We, these are all things that we have and need in life. But people need to know who I am and what I am. I want you to know that the next year he went on to win the British Open major tournament. He went on to have a very successful career throughout the 90s. Started his own company where he redesigns and designs golf courses. Extremely successful. And in all of it, he works for God. He helps build churches. He helps people in need. He has all kinds of charities that reach out to people in need. Because he said, if, if I'm going to be a disciple then no matter what I do in life, I need to do something for God. If we want to mature in life, if we want to reach any kind of growth, we have to grow in prayer, knowledge, integrity, and we have to know, be known by our works. If we can't have those four things, then really we're just becoming a fan. 
We're just fans of the word, fans of God. Let's stand, church. I'm sorry I went over. God, I love you this morning. Jesus, I pray, Lord, help me to continue to mature in my walk with you. Help me continue to reach, God, to strive to be better, to strive to do more, to become more mature, Jesus, to know who you are, to know what you want me to do in my life, to guide me and direct me in my path. Help me, God, to always love everyone around me. Help me, God, to love my brother and my sister. Help me, Lord, in my prayer. Help me, Lord, in my maturity. God, I give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.